You're listening to the Pre-Hospital Diary Podcasts with your host, Kai. Welcome to the first Pre-Hospital Diaries podcast. I'm with Paul today, Paul Grant. Um, he's my boss at work and uh, very, very knowledgeable and experienced paramedic, intensive care paramedic. Paul, introduce yourself if you can, mate. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, Kai. I mean, as I said to you before, mate, make sure that you own the copyright to all these because yeah. you might <laughs> sell it around the world. Um, yeah, look, um, it's great. You know, we've got uh, a lot of young students and Kai's definitely at the top of the tree there who um, is really keen with with specific topics and um, you know his learning you know going to university I think he will smash out uh, some HDs and uh, just his involvement with some of these topics uh, is is fantastic Um, so thanks for inviting me along it's all good all good look my name's Paul Grant I um yeah, I went back when I was 40-odd years old and did an undergrad in paramedical science and since then have been doing, you know, working within the industry, private and in the service for a little while. I didn't enjoy the service, so I've been sort of out in that private sector for quite some time now. Um, I've always been in, in most places, been in a lead position, uh, for no other reason except, you know, I've got some experience and probably a half-decent head on the shoulder to make sure Definitely. that uh, in times of emergencies we keep it fairly calm and, you know, stick to a process, which is what our job is really about. Mm. So here mm. I find myself working with Medical Edge and Young Kai, and uh, I moved back here from Victoria uh, two months ago. Mm. And uh, we've got this amazing facility which we're developing and there's a lot of things going on with Medical Edge and where they're going in the future. So it's exciting being here. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for that. I guess we'll go to the topic that we're talking about today. So I guess we're going to cover all bases of cardiogenic shock. Um, I think shock's such an important uh, topic to to probably do uh, and cover within the pre-hospital field. I feel like understanding it uh, definitely would be you know, vital to how we go. Um, so cardiogenic shock, I would like to just, what is the definition of shock and what's your understanding of shock, just as a general, you know. Mm, and yeah. No, absolutely, and I, and, and I agree. I think most of the pathological conditions that we deal with in the emergency side of things can be related back to, you know, a patient being in shock. And it's, you know, we don't say, you know, we... But it's not the scare. I'm suddenly scared watching a scary movie, and I mm. go, "Oh, you know, it's not that, that shock." It's mm. definitely. And you've got a great little um, uh, definition down here. You know, shock is a complex physiological syndrome, uh, but can be defined as a state where inadequate perfusion results in profound tissue hypoxia. And you go, "That's classic." You know, at the end of the day, it's our tissues need to be oxygenated, and if they're not then they'll go into certain states and ultimately in they can go into a necrosis mm. and uh, they can die. So hence we, you know, if we've got uh, that global hyperperfusion in our body, then our body's 
pretty smart in trying to compensate. Mm. And we go through different stages of shock. And at the end of the day, if we don't fix it, then we can go into the refractory stage and it doesn't really matter what we do at that stage, that uh, the results are not very good. Mm, Definitely, definitely. So um, cardiogenic shock, obviously we've got four types of shock. We've got obstructive, distributive, cardiogenic and hypovolemic. Yep. So cardiogenic today. What's your understanding of cardiogenic shock? And I think a lot of the times we go back to some real basics and, you know, we talk about, you know, what volume we have in our body, how it gets moved around, and then, you know, we bring in all these shock states that actually stop certain areas within that cycle. And cardiogenic is all about the pump and how that pump is working or not working correctly. And if we have a look at the heart, we've got many parts to it that can break or don't work correctly. And um, you know, there's you know, four or five or six or seven different types of you know, uh, causes of cardiogenic shock. So you know, one of the, the major ones that we deal with in that pre-hospital sector is, is myocardial infarctions. And you know, how do we... You know, what does that do to the heart to make that not perfuse correctly? And as we know, um, you know, someone coming into us, clutching at their chest with radiating pain and, you know, suddenly sort of um, vomiting everywhere and, you know, then, you know, becomes hypotensive. And it just basically means that, you know, our cardiac output has been affected and we need to act fairly quickly on what we need to do there. So, you know, MIs are, for us, one of the biggest ones that we deal with in mm. a pre-hospital. With what we deal with, you know, with transferring people around, we usually find that they're maybe in some sort of heart failure, but not so much from an MI, but we deal with people who have had MIs. Mm. So, you know, there's... Um, so myocardial infarction is one. And, um, mm. again, you could throw other ones at me that... Uh, so we've got dysrhythmias as well, Correct. so your Brady and Tuckies. Correct. And then, you know, we've been through this before, talk, mm. talking about, you know, just, you know, our cardiac output, mm. you know, how that's affected. And cardiac output is, you know, stroke volume by heart rate. Mm. And um, if we have a weak heart, then we will struggle to get, you know... Uh, a correct stroke volume, which is all about ejection fractions and things mm. like that. So, mm. you know, with dysrhythmias, um, you know, if the heart's going too fast, and it's a classic one where, you know, we are in systole for a certain amount of time, we're in diastole for a certain amount of time, and we have, you know, the cardiac cycle, or, you know, we, you know, if you're beating at 30, uh, sorry, at 60, beats per minute that means every second we have a heartbeat um, two-thirds of that's going to be in diastole and one-third of it's going to be in in systole um, and as the heart gets faster and faster then that changes so we have can continually have that you know that ejection but our filling time becomes reduced and reduced and reduced and then you know if we're reducing our filling time then we obviously have a lot of problems sort of ejecting 
uh, an inadequate amount of blood into the system. And um, I think I asked you this question the other day was, you know, what, what is the maximum heart rate for a person? And you did answer after I gave you the answer. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> so, again, we look at, you know, 220 less people's age. Mm. And, you know, if we, if we start looking at, you know, someone who's 80 years old and uh, their maximum heart rate is at 140. And if they're beating along at 150, yeah, we've got some issues. But, you know, if we've got a young, you know, fit footballer or some athlete, you know, who's 20 years old, then, you know, we can push the heart rate up. And it still functions if they're fit enough. But I have seen people struggle <laughs> with, at 80% of their maximum heart rate. So that's not always true, but... Mm. Um, so it's all about, you know, making sure that we've got enough perfusion to oxygenate our tissues. And that's just the basis of shock, isn't it? It comes down to perfusion. Correct. Um, that's right. And yeah. then you probably, you know, see, you break that perfusion down. You know, how do I get that correct perfusion? And it's all about, you know, what volume's in my body and how I can successfully sort of get that perfused around my body correctly with, mm. obviously, with... Um, with the ability to carry oxygen as well and remove waste products. Mm. We do have disease states where, you know, that does get affected, even if we do have correct, um, you know, cardiac output. Mm. So dysrhythmias, yeah. we've got... Um, Structural problems, like valves. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. you know, they, we look at that state too, and, mm. you know, I'm a bit of a pocus freak, and we understand ejection fractions, and we understand that, you know, the valves can become pathologically uh, diseased. Um, so we have, you know, sort of regurgitant sort of valves sort of pushing blood out, but then it's coming back the same way, which then, you know, it's okay if I've got the correct ejection fraction, but if I'm now pushing blood from that back into, and for example, you know, we have mitral regurgitation, it gets pushed into the ventricle and then it goes back into the atrium it just it doesn't work very, very well mm. so we do we have valvular diseases um, we have papillary mu muscle sort of diseases as well so then you know creating um, you know uh, the, the chordae tendineae mm -hmm. is not working correctly which then you know won't allow us to close the leaflets and we have regurgitant jets and it's really interesting when you look at um, regurgitant jets on point of care ultrasound and we you know put on what we call color doppler and we can see that um, you know we have this different type of um, blood movement and usually we, we talk about you know uh, blue going away and red coming towards us but then we have this you know mosaic colours of uh, blood which is just basically being regurgitant and moving in one spot so that's interesting looking at people with with the disease state it is very interesting now when we talk about cardiogenic shock uh, we usually talk about four or three stages whichever textbook you look at yep. um, we've got initial compensatory progressive and then re refractory do you yep. reckon you could dive in a little bit about the four stages of, of sure, shock? Sure, sure. I mean, you know, the, our body, you know, and again, it's, uh, we come back to going, whoever developed and designed this body 
has done an amazing job because um, it built so much redundancy into, you know, how it works. And, you know, we know that, you know, people can go into a shock state very early and our body will compensate. And, you know, a classic example, obviously, is, you know, for our cardiac output, if it starts getting affected, our sympathetic tone is then sort of bought in and we have, you know, um, endogenous hormones which are released and then you know we'll find that our heart rate will increase which then keeps up that um, cardiac output if we start to struggle um, we also have our <clears throat> RAS system which will get it you know, activated we have you know anti our anti antidiuretic hormones which will get released um, aldosterone gets released and so we have massive amounts of you know um, compensatory systems in our body which will you know assist us to keep alive and keep mm. perfusion of our body so once we get into that stage um, again all systems go we've got you know well you know, and I know you've brought it up you know talking about our baroreceptors and our chemoreceptors and how they react um, so you and we could deep dive into this, but mm. <laughs> I could go no, for hours good. and hours. No, that's good. That's so good. you know that that's the first stage. Mm. Um, we then go into a stage where mate everything gets tired. And if we start tiring out, we go into a you know a, a position of you know not being up to compensate. So mm. it's a non-progressive for a start. Mm. We had a uh, now it moves into sorry it moves into a progressive stage of shock, and uh, again things start you know if I get people early enough, we can reverse it, but if we don't start fixing the problem, the underlying cause, then uh, you know that the body will start to deteriorate, you know, <coughs> our tissues will start to go from an aerobic to an anaerobic met met metabolism and um, then we start you know moving more into having difficulties oxygenating our blood mm. oh, sorry oxygenating our tissues and then uh, obviously we go into you know the last stage which is the refractory stage and look this discussion would be fantastic to sit down because it's a long one to go right through you know how our body compensates and then won't comp decompensates and then goes into refractory stage mm. so for our job you know pre-hospital it is obviously very important for us to get there early and you know like everything it's early diagnosis and early interventions will save lives um, if we don't and you know even if we're the best clinicians in the world there are some times where we just cannot do anything and um as we know, unfortunately, that uh, sometimes people don't recover. When we assess a patient, how are we going to? What are we going to use, and how are we going to assess them? What are we going to look for mm -hmm. in a patient presenting with, with in these shock? Symptoms? Yeah, mm. yeah. Good question. It's something mm. that I ask your students. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, if we talk about you know cardiac output being you know stroke volume and heart rate, then now, they're the things that we look at very early. You know, what are we going to 
assess and you know I suppose everyone in this world will always go back to our airway breathing circular our ABCs and uh, you know we develop a baseline of you know a condition and then we'll start looking and how do we diagnose it sometimes there's frank conditions there which you know if you're bleeding profusely I know pretty much you're in some sort of a low volume state and you know we need to obviously replace what's being lost from a cardiogenic point of view there's different areas and, and different things we can look at um, you know and something we deal with a lot with obviously is you know myocardial infarctions because you know people will ring triple zero very quickly and uh, we'll get out there with you know sort of chest pain radiating and so on and you know we have you know, within the services and the private industry, we'll have a scope of practice and we'll have our guidelines to guide us through, you know, what we should do. But go back to some real basics and, you know, make sure that we get the full set of vitals and then we create a baseline and from there we can start developing a, you know, come up with a differential and then eventually we'll come up with a provisional and then we can start, you know, working on reversing what's what's happening at that stage so hopefully that answered the sort of question of going you know what are we going to look at and as i said full set of vitals make sure that we know what's what's unremarkable and what's remarkable and um start developing a process from there definitely that's awesome yeah how, how does the compensatory stage and the decompensatory or the progressive stage yep. How will you be able to assess this, which stage they're in? Absolutely, because there's no line that mm. says, you know, they've crossed over from one to another. So then we go back to how important it is to get some early vital signs and develop a baseline, because at some stage they will start reversing. You know, and usually you can tell by that stage of, you know, what I'm going to do. And then... You know, if blood pressure starts dropping, there's certain things that we have that we can utilise to keep blood pressure up. You know, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is, within cardiogenic shock, is, you know, we've got a sick heart or the heart is failing on us. So what do we need to do to support it? And sometimes that's very tricky because there's, you know, you're telling me, I want to, you know, get this heart to beat fast and I'm going, well... She's it's struggling. Do you want me to go and push it harder and harder? Because it could go, you know, it could go the wrong way. So there's things there from a clinical perspective that you've got to look at and really understand the process and the disease state to then put a treatment plan in process. Mm. You, you, we, we talk about you know vasopressors and we talk about fluids and we talk about you know onotropes and all these different types of medications which will assist us and support the heart. But we have to make sure that we're giving the right drugs for the right state. And, you know, we talk about, you know, if, if I've got a symptomatic patient who's tachycardic and, you know, their ejection fracture, sorry, their cardiac output is being affected, I have to look at the underlying cause. You know, and if, whether that's something that we need to, you know, anesthetise someone and then, you know, maybe cardiovert. Or if it's going too fast, you know, maybe we look at, you know, and we use a bit of electricity <clears throat> and see if we can reverse what's going on. So look at the, 
and then again get our vitals, have a look at the situation. Um, Pre-hospital wise, you know, in hospital it's a lot different. They'll do all sorts of measurements and put sort of Swanscan catheters in people and, you know, have left atrial sort of um, pressures and they can work out specifically from that. But pre-hospital, we have a 12-lead ECG. Um, these days, when we may have a point-of-care ultrasound we can look at. Um, we may have an eye stat so we can take some bloods. But the usual BPs, um, but, you know, we can get in there and, you know, I've listened to many and seen many people and done many jobs where a bit of electricity helps a lot. Mm. So symptomatic patient um, struggling, we can use electricity if it's the right thing to do at that stage. Mm. How are you going to identify the cause of their cardiogenic shock? Because it could be different. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, again, we go through it and go, you know, is it, you know, a, a, an electrical issue? Then, obviously, we're going to look at a, an ECG. Is it, you know, some sort of valve, valvular, you know, failure? And we also have, within we have, you know, cardiomyopathies where, you know, the heart gets hypertrophy or dilates or, you know, or, you know some really sad things is when, you know, the walls of the heart fail and we... You know, the, we can burst through those. We can, you know, have septums that um, create, you know, a hole in them because they become really weak. And suddenly we have sort of blood going from one chamber to another without being oxygenated and so on. Or, you know, the free wall, free wall may fail as well. And then suddenly we've got blood going into the around the heart into where are we going around into from the heart big sack there mm. <laughs> okay so we can get into, into pericardial fusions which then create more problems because mm. then it can tampen hard and mm. so on so yeah so structural wise um yeah we talk about you know, the, the the leaflets and the yeah, all, all the, the parts of the heart which can fail. And I, I probably, you always look at it just going into pump and it's got a lot of pieces within the pump. Um, got the outside of the pump. Um, we've got, you know, chambers within that and if they're not working correctly, then, you know, we start developing. And it all comes down to cardiac output. It's funny, isn't it? Mm. It always comes back to, if I don't push out the blood and it doesn't get around and it doesn't perfuse my body. If tissues don't get perfused, they start struggling. And they go into different systems where, you know, they won't use oxygen for energy and, you know, we call, you know, breakdown and we talk about it. we get again, we can get into very deeply into ATP development and all that sort of thing. But uh, at the end of the day it needs oxygen to be delivered and it needs to take away waste products. Yeah, definitely. At the compensatory stage, um, <coughs> How is how will a patient present in that just that compensatory stage? Yep, yep. <coughs> well, again, you know, go back to cardiac output. <coughs> so, if you know, if I'm starting to struggle, <coughs> then you'll find that you know our vitals will be compensating. And when you say compensating, it's all about you know, am I how do I get that blood perfused around my body when I'm struggling? And it usually is, as I said, from a compensatory point of view is that we release hormones within our body which then 
you know, develop, you know, sort of uh, instruct our sympathetic tone to increase. And we all probably know some of the internal hormones which get released is, you know, obviously is adrenaline, noradrenaline, and, you know, hitting the receptors and then creating, you know, developing a, a faster heart rate, a stronger heart rate, which you then just, in, you know, develop and, and make sure that our cardiac output stays enough that we're perfusing all the tissues within the body. Any advice to any student paramedics? Uh, look, I think... In recognising shock at all? I think it's not so much recognising shock. It's really understanding the full process. Mm. Getting in there and doing what you do now is to... And which I do is go and study it time and time and time again and go through all the, you know, the, the shock states and understand them as well as you can within your learning stage of life. Um, you know, for a doctor's point of view or for an emergency doctor's point of view, they know these topics backwards. They understand the process. They understand what drugs they need to use. They understand the infusion rates. They know where people are on that, that sort of um, decompensating or compensating stage or, you know, albeit the worst scenario being in that refractory stage. So that's my, you know, it's to everyone who's studying any type of paramedicine, nursing, medicine, whatever, is to really understand all shock states. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's time critical. A lot of other states aren't. You know, we can take our time, we can do workups, we can get tests done and wait for them. In cardiogenic shock, maybe they can go backwards very, very quickly. So it's all about supporting the heart, but understanding, you know, what am I trying to support? Because sometimes if I overdo it, you know, it's a sick heart, which then I'm trying to make work too hard. It can you know, reverse on us very quickly. So, you know, the more and more I understand it, the more and more I understand how the drugs work and how I can recognise it. And as I said before, you know, coming up with, you know, a differential and then coming down to a provisional and always knowing that, wow, I'm never by myself. I've got some amazing people out there who we can call on in times of emergency and um, we want to make sure that we can get their involvement in this as well. Go back to my ABCs, go back to developing a really good process of making sure, and you know, we could even take that back further, going to endanger response and for help. Because if you've got someone who's in cardiogenic shock and you're by yourself, you need help. Doesn't matter how good you are, um, you'll need help. And then we look at airway, breathing, circulations, developing our, our baselines around that because any doctor that you'll call, they'll ask you, where are you at? They'll go through, tell me what's going on, and they'll say, what is this, what is this? And hopefully by that stage you've got a, an ECG that uh, you can send off, and if you're not quite sure, then we definitely need to talk to people who are a lot more experienced at, at working up you know, a, di a differential on this and then at some stage coming through with a provisional and having a, you know, a diagnosis that we can work with. And, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that's yeah. the thing. We've always got someone who can assist us in times of need. 100%. In this field. 
you've always got my number. Mm, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but you know what? I've got some great, you know, faces, numbers, and I've got great doctors that, um, yes, if you have, if you're dealing with this in a remote area, then you definitely need some assistance and some help. Um, yes, in uh, my job's always been pretty much the same. I've got a, a medical centre which either has a rotary wing, has a fixed wing, has a sitting on a vessel or sitting out remotely. It's just a medical centre and the people come in with different disease states. So, uh, And one of these, obviously, you know, we talk about cardiogenic shock. It's, it's a scary one. It's a scary one because, you know, if we're not doing the right things or even if we do the right things, if someone has got to that stage, they've brought them in and, you know, they've been like that for, you know, five or six hours... You know, there's there's not a lot you can do at certain times. You can support them as much as you can, but um, sometimes if we get into that refractory stage, then the body's basically given up. Mm. And um, but you know, if we can get there and turn around a you know a decompensated shock victim uh, or client, um, then that's fantastic. If we taken from that right on that brim of jumping over the cliff um, and we drag them back and support them and uh, get them off to definitive care because a lot of this stuff needs to be worked up and we're not the people to do it um, but we're the people who are you know, looking and trying to help people in a really critical critical moment of their lives. Mm, definitely, definitely. Now, we talk about um, cardiac output and I guess mean arterial pressure is thrown mm-hmm. out there a lot mm-hmm. with shock. Yep. Um, do you reckon you can just just go over mean arterial pressure and yep. why it's so important? I think um, you know something that I've learnt, you know, fairly early was that you know we we talk about you know our volume status in our body, and you know I've discussed with you is you know how much how much volume do you have, yeah. and you'd say about five liters. And, you know, we talk about, you know, us sitting here and, you know, what sort of a heart rate we would have because you're looking pretty healthy. It just means that your body looks like it's perfusing really well and it's perfusing the way that our maker, whoever did that, wants us to perfuse our body. And we find that, you know, we'll have a, a volume status and we'll have then what we call a capacity as well. So our capacity of five litres and we've got a volume status of five litres. In shock states, when we talk about, you know, a capacity still five litres, if I suddenly cut myself and have an arterial bleed, then my volume status, correct, will go down. And depending on how quickly I can stop it, that could go down to four litres, could go down to three litres, I'd be in a lot of trouble if I'm doing that. And you go, okay, my capacity is five litres, and now my volume status is three litres. And you talk about, am, am I going to perfuse my body very well? No. no. So, hence, volume status goes down. Or my capacity, and we talk about distributive shock, going from a capacity of 5 litres and a volume status of 5 to then vasodilating around my body and then having a capacity of 8 litres. So volume status of 5, capacity of 8. And you go, how does that work? because I'm supposed to be pushing this blood around, but, you know, suddenly my capacity's built. Um, it's gone right up. And we talk about there as being, you know, this dilation of the vessels 
within our circuitry system. And um, I suppose, you know, when me and you are sitting here, you know, happily, and you know, the work, everything's working properly, we have a mean arterial pressure of, and how do we work that out? One third of Correct. systolic plus the two thirds of diastolic. So mm. usually, yeah, we talk about us being normal and, you know, we don't have any hypertensive diseases or anything like that. 120 over 80, <coughs> with our mean arterial pressures, around 93 millimetres mercury. And we look at that being, you know, that's the, the average of what your body your pressures within your body are. So we work with that. <clears throat> and, you know, we talk about mean arterial pressure, something within, you know, the emergency side of things is that we work very closely with a mean arterial pressure rather than diastolic and a systolic. And, and um, when we do have people in that situation, you know, there's people where we don't want to... Um, push their blood pressure up too quickly because they may be in a hypotensive state because they're in a shock state, then we need to correct these things slowly. Um, the more and more, we get really deeply into this one, but I know you're talking about, you know, what is the mean arterial pressure of the body? It is around 93. And then we try to work on, you know, people who are in hypotens hypotensive state of you know picking that up and you know which i know we've talked about this before is you know how do we get blood pressure up and um you know we'll do all the fluid challenge and we've got vasopressors we can use and so on but the body does certain things at certain stage that also does that itself so <clears throat> so i'm not sure if that answered the question no that's good yep. that's good yep. yeah yeah and um in I guess shock. Are you going to see the mean arterial pressure up under sixty? Because is it going to be? It's because it's hyperperfusion going on. So. Well, isn't that great? Because you know mm. we talked about a compens compensating at the start. Is that you know? I am I going to be in a hypertensive position in compensated shock? Probably not, because you know we've released a lot of adrenaline or adrenaline, which is their vasopressors. You know, so our body then is releasing a system that will. Squash, squeeze down on the on the uh, vasculature, and we'll keep our mean arterial pressure up, because when we talk about compensated shock, you know the body does everything it can to maintain MAP. All right, does two things: it does that, and it also tries to keep our pH level between three five and four five. Uh, we'll I'm put a seven in front of that. Um, so it does everything it can. And that's our redundancy built into this amazing system that does that. And that's when, you know, we talk about going into a decompensating or, an, you know, a progressive state of shock. You know that you know, we need to do something fairly quickly because the body's getting very, very tired. Definitely. Well, I think we'll probably um, finish up there. I think we've covered cardiogenic shock pretty well. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. That was yep. really, really good. Um, just want to thank you for coming on for the yeah. first podcast and many more to come. Excellent, which is, which is mm. awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Fantastic. Great little equipment here too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, yeah. Um, yeah, really, thank you. Right. Um, yeah, you'll you'll do very well, especially if you listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's gave everyone a good understanding, basis yeah. understanding <clears throat> of cardiogenic shock, no. which is yeah, what I was really wanting. Yep. Um, definitely learnt a lot from that. So. Yeah, and you know, as I said, you know, as I said, from a paramedical point of view, 
we need to understand this backwards. And I know that it gets into it very deeply, uh, and you know, part of the undergrad probably doesn't go into it as deep as you want to or we should, but this whole condition is something we deal with out on the road a lot. And um, I've seen a lot of mistakes made by paramedics and you know, not doing, understanding the process of shock. Um, but so this learning's there too. Mm, that's it. All right, well, I think that's no all good. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Paul. you, Kai. Good Appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Hey guys, I just wanted to jump on just before the podcast ends and um, just thank you for the support and the patience. Um, it's sort of a big thing, me doing all this. Um, December was quite a busy month for me, so that's why I didn't get anything released, but it's the new year and you know, I've got a, quite a few exciting doctors and nurses lined up for future episodes. Um, yeah, it's all sort of new to me, this stuff, so yeah, just bear with me and share it around and yeah, thanks for listening. I'll um, see you on the next one. Hopefully in the next two or three weeks, next one will be released. Thanks.